Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital media and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Homan, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Ross Oldenburg, the software developer for the Free Music Archive. Hello, my name is Ross Oldenburg. I'm the software developer for the Free Music Archive. Welcome to the podcast, Ross. We're excited to have you in the studio. So how long have you been working for the Free Music Archive? Since last July. In that time, would you say you've learned a lot about the Free Music Archive? I have learned an awful lot about how it works, since I'm responsible for all the internals, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not so much on the actual content of the archive, unfortunately. I haven't had time to browse around too much. Honestly, I've been here since October, and I still have only scratched the surface. There's so much stuff there. Yeah. 82,000 tracks. Yeah, we just topped 82,000. So how would you describe what you do at FMA? I'm responsible for all the technical aspects of that, from you know hosting the website, maintaining the code that it all runs on, making sure our bandwidth usage isn't out of control, etc. I guess... You do all the things that I don't do and all the things that our volunteers don't do. Oh, right. Because we have some volunteers and we can't disrespect. So you're visiting us right now, but you also visited us in November. Correct. And during that trip, you went to Music Hack Day in Boston. Do you want to talk about Music Hack Day a little bit? Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Cheyenne and I went to Music Hack Day, did a little five-minute presentation on the Free Music Archive, tried to encourage some developers to use it. Only one of them did, so we... uh, Gave him all of the stuff that we brought to give away. That was kind of funny, but it was cool. He was a cool dude. If you don't know what a hack day is, it's generally a weekend-long event where a bunch of software developers or hardware hackers or other kinds of nerds just get together and try and finish projects based on a common theme. And Music Hack Day revolves around music, either music libraries or musical instruments or music visualization, any of those kinds of things. And the project I did, which was a lot of fun, since we were at MIT, I did a tribute to MIT and I implemented in software, something that was developed there in the 70s called the Tridex Muse, which is considered the first digital musical instrument. It's really interesting. It's um, basically a generative sequencer. It uses some really simple math to uh, generate musical patterns, and depending on how you configure it, they won't loop for over 30 years if you let it play constantly. How did you first find out about that thing? Well, when I'm not programming, I'm playing music, and I like electronic instruments because I am a nerd. Been into synthesizers and sequencers and computer music type of stuff for a long time, and I really like the history aspect of those things, and just reading about the history, I stumbled across it. Turns out it was invented by two of my heroes, Marvin Minsky, who's a cognitive scientist and one of the founders of CSAIL at MIT, which is the Artificial Intelligence Lab, and Ed Fredkin. He was a physicist, but also kind of a philosopher. He came up with the idea of digital physics, which I studied when I was getting my degree in mathematics. Um, (laughs) He was a digital physicist? Like, what does that even mean? (laughs) um, Digital physics is, it's kind of a fringe idea. Uh, Very few people take it seriously, but some incredibly smart people do. And it's the idea that the universe is, at its core, a giant computer. 
I don't necessarily believe in it, but I think it's a cool idea. And the way that's represented is through cellular automata, or at least abstracted. Cellular automata, if you've ever heard of something called Conway's Game of Life, that's an example of it. Basically imagine like a sheet of graph paper, and every cell can either be colored in or not colored in. And based on which of your neighbors are colored in, the next generation will be determined by how many of your neighbors are alive or dead, etc. So with these very simple rules and very simple algorithms, you can generate a lot of complexity. And some of that stuff is actually quite beautiful, which is why I like it, just for the aesthetics of it. But yeah, so digital physics is basically the idea that the universe is a giant cellular automaton and fundamental particles uh, really just obey these simple rules based on interactions of things that are close to them. So. Yeah, and that was pioneered by Ed Fredkin, and he was one of the inventors of the Triadex Muse. Was he also a musician, or like, why did they make this I thing? have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why they did it. I, I think it was just a way to explore. So artificial intelligence and those kinds of emergent paradigms in computation, that was, that was really new in the uh, 70s when they were working on this. Um, the Muse was from the mid to late 70s. And Marvin Minsky was a huge pioneer in artificial intelligence, and Fredkin was a colleague of his, and I assume that they just came up with this one day over some beers or something and <laughs> just decided to do it. That's very, cool. very few of the instruments were actually built, but they were commercially manufactured, which is pretty interesting for a while. Well, do you want to talk about your artistic interests? Sure. Music and video, mostly. I've been a musician most of my life. I've always loved music, playing it and listening to it. I like all kinds of music. Yeah, I can't really narrow it down to any specific thing that I like. I just like music. I think it's a fantastic way to express yourself. Yeah, I play guitar and uh, keyboards and modular synths and all of those kinds of things, and I do like abstract, droney, ambient music <laughs> myself because it's easy to do and it's fun. With video stuff, I, I've, I've wanted to do video art for a long time. I found out what video art was um, sometime in the 90s when I was just a wee little boy and found out about the Emergency Broadcast Network, which was a group of video artists from RISD in the 90s. They, they made drum and bass music, and more importantly, they took video from all the big cable TV networks and just sort of manipulated it and recontextualized it. They were um, sort of really early pioneers in the whole culture jamming, video cut-up sort of thing. You know, that stuff had been going on for a long time, since the 50s really, but with video specifically, it really wasn't until like the late 80s and early 90s that that became a thing. And that's how I became interested in that and things like video feedback. And a friend of mine and I have a studio where we build a lot of electronic devices and use um, standard definition broadcast equipment and just generate abstract and magical things. That's cool. Yeah. Do you do that as a performance or usually like as part of a performance? Usually as part of a performance. A lot of what we do is just tinkering um, because we enjoy doing it. We don't generally put a whole lot of stuff out there, but we also do a lot of live psychedelic visuals for like rock bands and alternative hip-hop shows and dance parties and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun and occasionally we get paid, which is nice, <laughs> but we, we just we just love doing it. What attracted you to the FMA as a potential place of work and a project to, to kind of be involved in? I graduated college with a 
degree in math and computer science in 2007 and I was all set to go to grad school but decided I was too burned out to do that and I wanted to stay around academia so I took jobs in scientific computing, basically. I worked in supercomputing centers for physics research projects. I worked, um, I guess, affiliated with the Large Hadron Collider and an astrophysics project called LIGO. I did that for a long time, and I decided I, I kind of wanted to get out of it. I wanted to leave academia and decided to just get into web development because that seemed like an easy way out for you know somebody who already had some computer skills and it was it was really just luck that I stumbled across the FMA job posting I mean I had known about it for a while I listened to music there and I know a lot of you know video producers and editors and stuff that grab music from there all the time I'd been listening to WFMU streams for a long time and I had no idea they were even related before I applied for the job and I got it, and it was great. I mean, nothing specifically drew me toward it other than I like music a lot, and I like the idea of open culture and creative commons and open source software and all that sort of stuff. I think it really... I, I mean, the, the internet would be a completely different thing if none of that stuff existed. Um, it would be so much different. I don't think we'd recognize it at all. You know, I, I never wanted to work for a huge company like Facebook or Google or IBM or Hewlett Packard or anything like that, which is where most of my friends in college and stuff ended up, that are like startups. I wanted to stay as far away from that as possible, so academia felt like the right place, but I got sick of that after a while, and this came up and it just felt right. Well, cool. If you have any anything that you want to say to listeners about the FMA from like a technical standpoint... Before you became the director, it was really, like, almost abandoned, right? It seemed um, like a little a little dormant. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I started in late July, you started in October, mm-hmm. and I was hired by Jason Siegel, who was not the director at the time. He was the first director. He was, he was the original director. Andrea was not very heavily involved. Yeah, um, she had phased out. Yeah, she, uh, she did the blog post that I responded to for the you know, job posting, but that's all I knew of her. Yeah, it seemed to be dormant for a while, and they brought me on to basically just maintain it and keep it running, which is what I've been doing since, but since you started Cheyenne, we've been talking about a lot of ways to improve it, and I think the the biggest thing we want to do is make it easier to browse and search for things, like turn it into like a real content library. Not that it isn't that now, but can be a little cumbersome at times. Well, that's all the questions that I had for you, so I would like to say thanks. and uh, Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hope to have you back soon. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive and is supported in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song this week is The Spider-Man's Nano Loop by Uncle Bibby and can be found at freemusicarchive.org.